So tonight we are starting with an exciting five weeks, um, and tonight and next week we're going to speak about something called the art of neighboring, okay? Whom of you have neighbors? Okay, all right. Whom of you like your neighbors? That's good, all right. <laughs> Whom of you do not like your neighbors? Whom of you are not liked by your neighbors? Okay. <laughs> yeah, there might be a link between those two. Um, Oh, I almost forgot how this iPad works. Um, so when you walk into church, there's this big board that says two things. What is it? Huh? Love God and love people. Okay, I think there's one like that. Love God and love people. Okay, some of you have taken a selfie there. So for those of you who do not know what a selfie is, when you turn your camera this way around and... Now there's a selfie camera, a selfie lens, and you take a selfie with yourself. Okay, if you haven't done it yet, go and do it afterwards. Um, but those words are quite simple. Love God, love people. And um, the art of neighboring is locked up in those, the simplicity of those words, to love God and to love people. Now, as you're sitting here tonight, whom of you know that you are loved by God? Even if you know it only here, you don't always feel it here, Okay. But at least you've heard it. You're like, oh yeah, God loves people. And whom of you know that God has called us for more than just coming to church on a Sunday? Even though you don't always like doing more than coming to church on a Sunday, but you know that you've been called for more than just coming to church on a Sunday. Whom of you know that God has called you that your life should impact others? Okay. Uh, it's like when we read the Bible, the Bible is full of stories of people who are called by God, who might not have deemed themselves worthy, whose lives or past definitely disqualified them from being used by God. But God chose to use people so that more people can benefit, so that more people can be um, sent out by God to change more people. So in, in essence, as we love God, we learn to love people. All right, so... What I want us to do practically right now is I want us to get up and go to someone that you definitely do not know, introduce yourself, and see if you can find something where you have common ground, something where you share a hobby or share an interest. Okay, find common ground. Marissa, I see you standing alone.
All right, so whom of you have found common ground? Like a shared interest? Okay, what did you guys find? She's going to cut my hair. So you have hair and she cuts hair. Okay, great. That's good common ground. Uh, yeah, we've got an interesting one. Um, we both came to faith late, me at 33, him at 40, and we both used to be alcoholics. Awesome. All right. So two former alcoholics, praise Jesus. Okay. And then who else? Who else had a hand up? Who else has found common ground? Okay. We found too much. We, yes, we love reading and we're both teachers. What? So you're both teachers. Which school are you? Office Macy's. Satan's College. Hey, lekker close. Alrighty. And then you guys? You married both of us. Yeah. <laughs> Alright, so I officiated both of your weddings. So the pressure is high on you guys. I'm just saying. Alright. So I'm going to call Pause. Okay, pause. Whom of you are in the middle of a really cool conversation? All right, so afterwards, stick the person for a coffee. It's on us. Okay. So you're welcome to sit with the person that you're talking to now. Okay. Or you can go to your own seat, but you're welcome to sit. All right, so it's, it's, quite, it's quite easy for us to um, acknowledge that, that God calls us to, to a place where our lives should influence those of others, all right? To start new conversations, to meet new people. Was it difficult? Whom have you tried to avoid it, Marissa? Um, <laughs> not, okay. <laughs> Did I say that loud? You should know when to mute me. Okay, whom have you tried to avoid the exercise, but you weren't allowed, okay? <laughs> so, but here's the thing. Even though we know that God has called our lives to count for something more, we so quickly get caught up in our own lives. We get caught up with our own problems. We get caught up with the busyness of our own lives and the seasons of our own lives that a, a priority on God's heart easily gets shift, shifted to the side, um, and the more it gets shifted to the side, the more the conviction for that lessens, stems, like it becomes less, okay? You know what that is. Um, till the to the place where it's no longer even a priority in my heart, where it's just become so normal for me to live my life, um, and the things of my life have become the greatest priority. And that's what it boils down to. So everything in your life boils down to what is valuable to you. So the way you spend your time, the way you spend your money, the people you allow in your house, the people you don't allow in your house, all boils down to values. What is valuable to you? Now, if we go into Scripture, there is a Scripture in Matthew 22, 37 to 40, um, where Jesus gives us a very clear summary of what is important to him. He says, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. Okay? So those are the commands of God. 
to love God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and then to love your neighbor. And if you obey those two commands, Jesus says, you will obey everything this Bible asks of you. How many of you know how many commands are in the Bible that you as a Christian should obey? How many of you know how many? Ethan? Oh, <laughs> no, there's a lot more than 10. The 10 was the summary. <laughs> All right, and then the two became the summary of the 10 for simple people. Yes, Louis? <sighs> okay, yeah. You married him on purpose. I'm just saying, okay. That's the rest of your life. <laughs> I don't know how many. I didn't research it beforehand. I just thought someone might know. But um, there's a lot. And, but Jesus comes and he says, if you love God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and you love your neighbor, you will obey everything that Jesus asks of you. That's quite a cool summary, right? Whom of you are busy writing exams? Okay? Some of you like to have summarized versions of what you should study. That helps, right? All right. Jesus just gave us a summary. Love God, love people. That's it. Okay, go home. Let's go and obey it. Um, and the, 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 the thing is that the moment we step away from those two, then we start, step into many of the other things. So when you have an anger in your heart directed towards someone, an offense that you carry, unforgiveness towards someone that has done something to you that was wrong, we step away from loving God with our whole heart, mind, and soul. There's a, a scholar that said that you don't, obey, you don't break any of the other commands without first breaking the first commandment, to love God with all your heart, mind, and soul. And if you do that, his heart starts to be imprinted into yours, and then your love for God becomes an overflow into the lives of others. And that's actually how simple it is. Someone asked me um, over the weekend, like we, we had a conversation during the week about a very big topic in the church world currently. Um, and someone asked me, why is this so important to me? Like, why is this topic so important to me? And, and I could honestly say that um, God gave me a love for people when I got born again. This was in 2006. Um, and, but I didn't really, really know what it meant. So, But as I spent time with people, my love for people increased. And then let's say I would spend time with Gheepje, and he has a certain barrier that is currently hindering him from getting to know Jesus then that barrier becomes important to me because I want to make sure we can eliminate a barrier so that Gheepje can get to know Jesus. So the goal is Jesus. Um, so on campus, you get a lot of really good questions that's directed against the Christian faith, and they're good questions. Um, and then I was like, I have no idea what the answer is, so I have to go and do research. I have to go and study. I have to go and educate myself because the person is important, so we get to eliminate the barrier. And the same with, with different topics, that people are important, but then there are certain barriers that are keeping people from getting to know the love of God. So then, as Christians, we make it our priority to eliminate barriers so that people can get to know Jesus. So our love for God, the imprint of God's love in our hearts, starts to overflow from our lives into the lives of those around us. So I've got four chocolates. I've got three chocolates. One is mine. No, I'm joking. <laughs> I want uh, four people to, well, let's say two people to share. Where have you expressed love for your neighbor in a very practical way? 
Who wants to go first? I only have two chocolates for that. Okay, yes. Not because you want a chocolate, but because you want to share. Okay. <laughs> oh, I need to share this thing. <laughs> but I think Anina and I need to share this one because it's our cat. So we got a very nice cat. And this cat has helped us build community. And so our neighbors also got a cat. And so they have like play dates. And the people next to us, they are Muslims. So we actually, and the wife cannot speak English. So we will just sit and have coffee and Turkish coffee, which I don't like a lot, but I <laughs> drink a little bit. And then we'll just talk and I'll ask her questions about her culture. And she actually started asking me about our culture and what we believe and then what she also sees from us. So yeah, we hope to one day share the gospel, but for now we just sit and love each other. So you can choose whether you want to love your sister with sharing the chocolate with her. All right? Yes. I don't want a chocolate. You can give it to him. He needs it. Um, yeah, I come from Clarkstorp. I've been there 55 years. So when I came into every nation, I, was, I found love because of people standing by the door. And I was taught, this is how you share God's love. And I've got a friend back, actually a brother. His name is Tommy Daisel. And I was a racist, a massive racist. But God took my, it took my hate and gave me love. So Tommy and I actually call ourselves a twin. A different mother, but the same father. And because of how we grew together, because of just saying hello. And that makes a difference. I always ask the question, how do you know a Christian? is the way you greet people. And this is what it's about. I feel is, if I didn't go to Tommy and say to Tommy, Tommy, you know what? God loves you unconditionally, man. And for me to hug a, a, a colored person and welcome him into my house, that's what it says about Come on. That's awesome. That's awesome. All right. One more. One more. Come on, Dylan. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> So uh, we also recently got a small cat, and uh, it's the same story. So we live in a complex, and uh, he recently started to get out, but he's still very small, so we are very worried. <laughs> I know cats are allowed to walk around, but we are very worried. And um, the one night he disappeared, and it was a very cold and windy night, and uh, we couldn't find him. The next morning at, I think it was half past three, we woke up, he was still not back. So we went out, searched the whole complex, couldn't find him. And later on, we found the cat in someone else's yard. So we tried to open the gate as quiet as possible. And as soon as we opened that gate, the curtains go open like, hey. <laughs> and we're like, sorry, we just want to get our cat. And uh, got the cat, Danette, met the lady, and the next day we just brought them flowers just to say sorry for bothering you at four in the morning. And uh, from there, the cat has been busy. <laughs> he went to our other neighbors now and started um, just being friends with her cat. So we greeted her as well, started talking to her and just saying sorry for our cat bothering you and eating your cat's food. So, yeah, cats definitely help when you live in a complex. All right, so what I learned is cats are problematic, but they are opportunities to reach out to your neighbor. Okay, yeah. We need a cat, what? 
All right, so then whom here has a story to share where you were the beneficiary of someone loving you? Makungu's hand was up first. <laughs> um, I think I'm going to share quickly about like my journey with every nation and it's the um, like as a student there was this girl we bumped into res and she always just had food in her fridge and I'd always like you know as a student you always want food so she was like come in sit on my bed uh, eat I have food have you eaten friend every day it was the same have you eaten and in that, like, she would share life with me and invite me on camps and all those things. And for me, she showed me, like, practical love. I know that, like, she helped me learn biblical principles, but it was also the, okay, what can I help you with now? Like, do you need a lift now? Do you need food now? How can I solve your problem now? But then in future, we can pray, like, not that pray about it later, but, like, we'll pray about it, but also practical ways, like, she's shown me, um, God's love and I've learned that love is a verb through that like practical way she's she's done for me so yeah come on. that's awesome come on yeah, let's give her a hand she already got a chocolate so again it's the simplicity of loving God loving people now, all of us have different barriers just to step into the simplicity of this. And some of it is busyness where um, we just don't have margin in our lives. We are so busy with work and all of the things that's important to us that we don't have margin for other people. Some of it is our own comfort zone where um, if you go home, your house becomes your safe place. And like you've spent enough time with people. Now, this is my castle uh, some of it might just be fear, like the fear of rejection, where you've maybe stepped out before and you got hurt or disappointed and you don't necessarily want to open up your heart again. Um, many different things, and I'm trusting that, that the Holy Spirit will pin on your heart exactly what it is. But it's the simplicity of stepping into the love of God for you, and then from that space of being loved by God, the desire to share that with other people. Um, and it is as easy as asking someone, hey, have you eaten? Hey, is there something practical I can do in your life today? When you think about your neighbor, uh, there's a reason why you, you have extra sugar in your house so that when your neighbor asks for sugar, you have sugar to give. Right. Now, I want to take us into a, a very simple story, and we're going we're gonna to elaborate on this a bit more next week as well. But in John chapter 1, and if you've got your Bible, your app, you can open at John chapter 1. And I'm going to give us some very, uh, very simple but practical things to, to start walking in the simplicity of loving God and loving people. So John chapter 1 from verse 35. So John the Baptist is not John the Apostle, right? They are two different people. So John the Baptist was Jesus' cousin. What's the Nephi? What's Nephi in Engels? Cousin. Okay. He was his cousin. Um, and when John's mother, Jesus' mother, came together, then there was a leaping in, um, in the womb when, when John recognized, oh, this is the Messiah. All right. So now in John chapter 1, 
Verse 35, John is busy speaking to the people and he says, Again the next day, John stood with two of his disciples and looking at Jesus, seeing Jesus as he walked, he said, Behold the Lamb of God. So he's been speaking about the Lamb of God who will come and take away the sins of the world. And now he's got this crowd of people listening. He's got his disciples with him. And then he recognizes Jesus and he says, Behold the Lamb of God, the one whom I've been speaking about, the one whom I've been testifying about. Behold, there he is. This is the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him and they followed Jesus. Then Jesus turned and seeing them following, said to them, what do you seek? And they said to him, Rabbi, which is to say when translated teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, come and see. Everyone say, come and see. They came and saw where he was staying and remained with him that day. Now it was about the 10th hour. So the art of neighboring, the art of being a good neighbor, the art of loving your neighbor starts with knowing Jesus. This was the first invitation. Jesus says to them, come and see. And friends, that's the invitation that, that hangs for every single one of us. The, before the love of God has transformed your heart, before you've said yes to surrendering your life to Jesus, there's this invitation from Jesus to say, come and see. Come and experience me. Come close to me. Come learn off of me. Come close enough so that I can love you. And when you read the stories of Jesus, the way that he interacted with people, there was always a place of coming near and you have to understand that everything about Jesus' life was countercultural. So the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the religious leaders, they built for themselves walkways that were separate to the walkways of the normal people. So the, the people would walk down there, and then the religious leaders, if any of these chairs broke, <laughs> break, then we're in trouble. So the religious leaders would have their own walkway, because now as I'm walking, you guys are doing what? Praying. Yes. <laughs> But also, looking up, because you are beneath me. Yes. <laughs> You're looking up. So this is a place of honor. This is a place of being esteemed above you. I know the Scriptures better than you know the Scriptures. I'm obeying the Scriptures better than you obey the Scriptures. Therefore, you need to look up to me. And then Jesus came and he stooped down low. And then the very people that were rejected from fellowship, the very people that were rejected from worshiping in the temple, Jesus drew near to them and said, neither do I condemn you. Yes, prostitute, you can wash my feet with your hair. Yes, tax collector, sinner, I will come and have supper with you. Yes, Zacchaeus, you can come down from the tree because I want to come and have fellowship with you. And everything about Jesus' life was drawing near to people so that they can come and see who he is. And as they drew near, there was a change that takes place where you recognize this man truly is the Messiah. This man truly is the Son of God. This man truly is the embodiment of the love of God directed towards me. In that moment, as you spend time with Jesus, all of his attention and focus is, um, is drawn towards you. You've never been loved like this before. When a bride stands at the altar, there's always, um, if, if people are smart, they have two um, cameras, one focusing on the bride walking in and one focusing on the groom because they want to capture those moments when he cries, right? Ethan, did you cry? 
and lie, please. You're still crying yourself to sleep. <laughs> but there's something in that moment when the bridegroom's eyes are fixed on the bride and she draws off of his affection. Nothing else matters in that moment. And that's what Jesus invites every single one of us into. Come and see. Come and see the love of God. Come and taste the love of God. Come and experience the love of God. The story continues. It's not on the board from, from verse 40. And I want to read. I want to read for you. I'll read from here. So point number one is knowing Jesus. Point number two is the power of our testimony. And from verse 40 it reads, One of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which is translated the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. So they have now discovered, they've came and they saw Christ. Now they go to someone else and say, hey, we have found the Messiah, and they brought him to Jesus. Some people won't come to Jesus on their own. They need to be brought to, the, to Jesus. When you think about the paralytic who was um, brought down through the roof, roof, some people need to be carried and lowered into the presence of Jesus so that they can come and encounter him. Now when Jesus looked at him, he said, you are Simon, the son of Jonah. You shall be called Cephas, which is translated a stone. The following day, Jesus wanted to go to Galilee, and he found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael. Do you guys see the pattern? Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. So Philip found Nathanael. And Philip and them said to Nathanael, we have found him of whom the whole scriptures that we've been studying all our lives have pointed to. We have found him, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? <laughs> can anything good come out of Nazareth? And Philip said to him, what? Come and see. <laughs> come and see. Friends, it's not our job to make Jesus alive in someone else's heart. You don't have that power or ability. It's not our job to bring the conviction of who Jesus is into someone's heart. We just need to invite them and say, come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? Jesus answered and said to him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. If you've watched The Chosen, there's this beautiful scene where they depict this, this moment. It says, Before he called you, I already saw you. There are people in your lives, there are people in your life that are waiting for an encounter with Jesus. And they're waiting on someone that's willing to go and say, Come and see. Because before you've went to them and told them, hey, come and see, Jesus has already seen them. So I saw you under the fig tree. Nathaniel answered and said to him, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus answered and said to him, because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? So Jesus was just like, so just because I know this part of your life, you're like, you're convinced I'm the Messiah. 
I tell you, you will see greater things than these. And he said to him, most assuredly, I say to you hereafter, you shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. He invites him into his kingdom. God invites me and you into his kingdom. And then he calls us to invite others into his kingdom. The question, church, that remains for every single one of us is, what have you seen? Have you seen? Have you seen who the Messiah is? When John the Baptist proclaimed and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Has that become a truth in your heart? Have you seen Jesus, the Messiah? Have you encountered the Son of God, the Lamb that was slain, so that your sins can be forgiven? Because from what you have seen, you have something to say. And there's a people, a place where God is calling us to go and to shout out, behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. You do not need to remain in your bondage. You do not need to remain in your insecurities. You do not need to remain in your addictions. You do not need to remain in your fear. You do not need to remain in your brokenness. There is hope for your identity. There is hope for your future. There is hope for your marriage. Because the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world is here. Come and see. Have you seen, friend? Have you seen? Next week, we're going to take a deeper look into another story where the, the woman encountered Jesus at the well. And she ran away after this encounter with Jesus, shouting into a town, Come and see a man who has told me everything that I've ever done. Come and see. There's a simple application that I want to extend to us, and it's called the power of an invitation. Would you take a brave step to invite people into your house? There is something that happens around the dinner table where relationships are forged where a heart that might be hardened becomes soft so that the love of God can penetrate even the hardest of hearts. There's a space where we can tell people about the love of God and we can say, hey, John 3.16, for God so loved the world and you can memorize it till you are blue and you can share it and WhatsApp it. They need to experience it. The Bible is very clear that the church is the embodiment of Christ. How does Jesus reveal himself to the world? Through his body. How does Jesus move into dark places? Through his body. How does Jesus invite the stranger into a place of belonging? Through his body. Friends, that is you and me. When we are willing to open up our lives, to open up our dinner tables, to invite people in so that they can come and see. Invite people into your home. And then the second one, invite people to church. Some people would be willing to come to your home before they're willing to come to church. But invite people into a place where they can encounter Jesus. A place where they can hear the word of God being spoken over their lives. A place where they can experience community. Because that is what God calls us for. Not just to sit here comfortable and hoping that the aircon is not too cold, that the doors are closed. But so that we can meet with our living God together. But so that we can express this to those who do not know Jesus yet. May they walk into a church building. May they walk into our homes and walk away thinking, if that is what God's love looked and feels like, I want more. I'm in.
after these two weeks, we're doing three weeks, um, a series called Being Human Again. And the simplicity of this series is going to basically reflect on what has happened over COVID or what has been amplified during the COVID season. Um, you can go to the next slide. Next one. There's one that said that one. Um, and there's three things we're going to touch on. And maybe you here tonight face those same things, but I promise you there are people in your life that are facing these three things. Because of what has happened over the past two years, we have become numb in our emotions. Maybe because you have experienced loss, whether it was physical loss, emotional loss, um, job loss, financial loss, but we've lost things. And now we don't want to face losing things so much, so we suppress our emotions, we suppress our feeling, and we become numb. But that is not the way that God designed us. So we're going to speak about being called back into a space of feeling again. Then connection, right? People who are introverts were like, those first three months of lockdown were great. It's like, yes, best time of my life. But then even the introverts started to long for people again. Because you weren't designed to be alone, you will suffocate and die. But we have now created a new normal where we think it's okay for me to be alone. Now God has called us for connection and then to lead again. Um, and we, don't, we didn't really need COVID to amplify it, but in our nation there's a lot of stuff that's wrong. And we can be so overwhelmed with all of the things that's wrong that instead of us engaging in the problem, we create memes. We are so good with that, all right? The president hasn't even announced something and then there's a meme that circulates. But we become passive. So we're no longer engaging, but God has destined you to be a change agent for His kingdom. Genesis 1, He has placed an authority over the believer's life to rule and to reign, to orchestrate the things that God wants to happen. So we're going to speak about those three things. Invite people to church. Amen? Okay, we're going to end tonight with communion. Um, so I want you to quickly get up, go get communion, and then come back. Right, so if you have your communion, you can uh, take your seat, and then we're going to go through a scripture together. I'm not entitled, still you call me your child. God, you don't need me, somehow you want me, oh how you love me. Somehow that frees me to take my hands off of my life and the way All right. it should go. Okay, everybody has communion. Now, communion is... Whoa, I almost dropped my communion. Communion is not just a church ritual. 
It's something very significant. Um, we had our Abide series a couple of weeks, months maybe back. Um, and one of the ways you get to abide, remain in Jesus is to have communion. Because during communion, we remind ourselves who Jesus is, what He has done, what His life, death and resurrection has accomplished for us. And it's not something that we do lightly. When we partake in communion, I am saying, Jesus, I am unifying myself with You. With Your death on the cross, I'm unifying myself with Your death. Just as You die, Jesus, I want to die. I don't want to live for myself. I want to live for you. Just as you rose again from the grave, Jesus, I don't want to live for myself. I want to live for you. My life is yours. When we drink the blood, Jesus, your blood cleanses me from all sin. Thank you that the blood of Jesus silences the accuser, like Ross said. The blood of Jesus silences the accuser when he tries to condemn you, when he tries to tell you that you're not worthy, that you're not good enough. You silence the accuser with the blood of the Lamb. So when we partake in communion, we are declaring over ourselves again that we are free, that we are redeemed, that we are not under guilt and shame and condemnation, but we also declare that we do not belong to ourselves. So I'm going to read John 6, 53, 58. Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink His blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. For my flesh is real food and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in them. Just as the living Father sent me and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your ancestors ate manna and died, but whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. So you can take your piece of bread. If you are gluten intolerant, I'm sorry. I saw today a church that has a gluten intolerant um, communion station. Okay, so if you are gluten intolerant, you are welcome to pioneer that ministry for us. Okay, but let's break the bread. Lord Jesus, we thank you that as we break your body, we identify with your, your death, but also your victory over sin and your victory over death as you rose again from the grave. Lord Jesus, we declare that we do not belong to ourselves. We belong to you. And we want to be a people, Lord, that lives for your glory and for your honor. Let's eat the bread. Lord of the mountains and sea, you are treading the paths of the blood or the juice. Lord Jesus, as we partake of your blood, we come and declare your freedom over our lives. Lord, your blood washes us clean, as white as snow. Thank you that as we partake of your blood right now, Lord, you give us a clear conscience. No guilt, no shame. You have washed us clean. Thank you, Lord, as we partake of your blood, the accusations of the enemy are silenced and we get to partake of life. You can partake of the blood. Would you as a practical application to communion, 
as we declare that our lives belong not to ourselves, would you go and ask Jesus, who are the people that He has called you to minister to, to reach out to? And it can be something as simple as, hey, let's go for coffee. Let's go and have supper. Come over for supper. Hey, come and join me for church. That's my invitation, but the challenge to every single one of us, that God has called your life to count for something great. Let's trust Him. Let's invite people to do what? To come and see. Um, as we end, if you had a really good conversation in the beginning of the service with someone, please don't just leave them high and dry. That'll be very rude. So pick up on that conversation. Go and stick them for a coffee. Um, then with a prayer room that's open Friday and Saturday during the growth weekend, if you are not participating in the growth weekend, but you'd love to join us in praying, and there's always great testimonies coming from the prayer room where God speaks to us, but He speaks so specifically um, that it sets up a victory for other people as well. So if you want to participate in praying with us, come and join us at the prayer room. Um, go and speak to Anya, or who's at the info table tonight? Tanya. Anya, Tanya, it's the same thing. Um, and then I want to invite you, friends, if you want to grow in prayer, join us in our weekly prayers, Wednesday morning, 6 to 7 online, so you can join from the comfort of your home, and then Friday morning for the men, 6 to 7 as well. The men can also join on Wednesdays, but every Wednesday morning, we have communion together. Every single Wednesday morning, we have communion together online. So come and join us. And then our pre-service prayer on a Sunday, 4 o'clock. If you want to grow in prayer, if you want to grow in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, come and participate with us in prayer. And then the last thing from my side is, second last thing, if you are doing victory training, but you haven't received your preparation booklet, please do not leave tonight without your preparation booklet. And if you are new to church, and you'd like to get slotted into discipleship, into our connect groups, our small groups, then please do go to the info table. We'd love to get you connected. Let me pray for us. Father God, thank you that you love us deeply and that your love continues to change our lives, Lord. Um, our words cannot express adequately, Lord, the gratitude that we carry in our hearts for the transformation, the change that comes from you just loving us. And we thank you that your love is good, it's perfect, it's holy. And I thank you, Lord, that you, you empower us to love our neighbor. Would you come and show us this week, Lord, practically how we can be the love of God to those around us. We don't want to be a people, Lord, who just hear your words, but we don't do anything about it. Come and show us how we can love people the way that you love us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.